This episode was paid in full by DTN Progressive Farmer. Despite the fact that late winter and early spring are traditionally tough times for beef demand in the U.S., nothing has been able to cramp the bullish fervor in the cattle markets in recent weeks. How should cattlemen be thinking about integrating this news as they plan for the year to come? That's today on Field Posts. DTN Progressive Farmer podcast that dives deeper into the most important trends in agriculture to explore the business's cutting edge. I'm your host, Sarah Mock. The smallest cattle herd in the history of USDA reporting is currently standing in the U.S., and the low stock numbers extend from feeder and grass calves all the way to heifers and bred cattle. On top of that, tough winter weather at the start of the year has curbed slaughter weights, making a beef market that's still hungry for product even hungrier. DTN Livestock Analyst Shaylee Stewart joins us today to discuss all of these bullish headwinds and much more as we dive into the most recent USDA outlooks, the regional weather picture, and what we're likely to see in the Cattle on Feed report later this week. We'll dig into the details of slaughter pace and consumer demand in what's traditionally a slow time of year, impacts of global import and export figures, and we'll look ahead to how producers might want to be thinking about decision-making in the year ahead. We'll tackle all this and hear how things are going on Shaley's family cattle operation right after this word from our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by MyDTN. In today's environment, it's essential more than ever to get the most current and accurate information to help save your valuable resources and continue to be profitable. Get access to all the information you need to deal with this change from DTN. As the leading independent trusted source of actionable insights and market information, MyDTN gives you accurate weather forecasts, the most extensive database of grain bids, and the most timely news and analysis from our award-winning news team. These features and more are available 24-7 via desktop, laptop, and any mobile device to be with you on the go. Learn more at MyDTN.com and start a free 14-day trial. Now, back to the show. DTN Livestock Analyst Shaley Stewart joins us today to talk through some of the latest news in cattle markets, as well as some longer-term trends. Shaley, give us a little bit of an overview of where the market is right now. We've heard from Todd Holtman a couple of times over the last few months on just cattle market updates that are in the WASDI, but when you're looking at the day-to-day, week-to-week market of 2024 so far, what have you been seeing? You know, Sarah, it's really a fun time to have the opportunity to do this because typically when we roll into a new year, the market is stagnant. Even though the Thanksgiving holiday, the Christmas holiday, the New Year holiday is passed, the market takes a little bit of time to get traction in the new year. And 2024 is a little bit different. Yes, it took its time going through January and just finding its footing. And it was throwing some curveballs with the big winter January storms. That really threw a curveball to the cattle market. But now as we're well through February, the market has just gained steam, gained momentum, and I think that's largely going to be the market's underlying talking point of 2024 and maybe even 25 and heck let's even say that 26 should be favorable as well. I think that we are just in a position that really 
historically the market's never been in before. We have uh, now the fifth uh, year in a row, a smaller cow herd to the point in which it is the absolute smallest that the USDA data has shared. And so we're just looking at a scenario where we have depleted supplies, high demand, and we're seeing that from both a live cattle perspective, a feeder cattle perspective, a bred cow perspective, a replacement female perspective. All across the board, we are just seeing excellent demand and high prices. Let's get into a little bit. You mentioned there the USDA outlook as they look ahead to the next couple of months and quarters. But yeah, talk to us about the sales picture. You mentioned, you know, across the board, things are looking pretty good, but dive into a couple of the categories for us. How are things looking for kind of individual subsets of the cattle market? Okay, perfect. I'm really glad that you brought in this segue because it was a pretty big hitting report. Just last week, the USDA shared their outlook for 2024. And just to kind of recap what that report had to share, in 2024, Fed steer prices are expected to average $1.80 live, which huge that surpasses what the market accomplished in 2023 in its record and uh, that dollar 80 figure is roughly five dollars higher than what the market averaged in 2023 now going into when we're going to see those prices what the year looks like just from a cyclical timing standpoint we really expect that production in the first half will be greater than that in the second half just simply because in 2023 we saw placements heavier earlier in the year just because the market was so favorable for feeder cattle prices and demand was high and you know what cow calf producers just elected to market their calves earlier as opposed to later because prices were high so now consequently we're probably going to see greater production here in the first half of 2024 as opposed to the later half just working through those supplies shifting gears and, and even though it's the same same mantra same talking point feeder calf prices are expected to average higher in 2024 than what they did in 2023 as well. Steer prices for those weighing anywhere from 750 to 800 pounds are expected expected to average $2.48 per per pound in 2024, which is roughly $30 higher more than what the market averaged in 2023. Now, that's significant. That is really something that we need to take a minute to digest and figure out what that means, because in 2023, the market was extremely strong. We saw huge gains, anywhere from roughly $56 to $71 per hundredweight gains in the market. And now in 2024, we're expected to see another $30 per weight added to the market so that's huge for cow calf producers and they're excited because this year they're expecting to see uh, corn prices maintaining kind of the levels in which they're trading at now so feed should be relatively affordable drought remains an issue and it could pop up regionally in the United States. But as the USDA report confirmed for us, 2024 should be a strong year for both live cattle, feeder cattle, cows, everything across the board. I want to circle back to something you just mentioned lightly and that we talked about the last time we had you on the podcast, which is this question of slaughter weights. Yeah. Give us an update on how are slaughter weights tracking and how might that be affecting the market going forward? I'm glad that you bring up this point as well because it's something that is we're going to tie back to the January snowstorms and slaughter weights are something that we have to keep in check right because packers buy by the head but they sell by the pound and we have to be constantly in our mind weighing out okay what do we have in regards to show list how many cattle are on this week's show list what are packers going to be presented with but then how does that come across on the backside in regards to tonnage are those cattle heavier are those cattle lighter how much tonnage is going to be available to the market to consumers
consumers and how is that going to affect beef prices and then consequently beef demand and we're going to circle back and I'm going to address this question by starting out with the January snowstorms obviously through the month of January we were hit with about 10 days there of just severe snow lots of cold temperatures lots of snow some rain in some parts of the Midwest and that drastically affected feedlots and now our actual slaughter data runs two weeks behind because they have to get those cattle killed and then they track the weights and that report runs consequently two weeks late and so what we've seen just on the recent data is that steers are down about 20 pounds per head and I, I need to emphasize that point per head down 20 pounds per head compared to what they were tracking before that snowstorm so if we process on average let's say 620 head 20,000 head on a weekly basis right now in the market and you take 620,000 and multiply it by 20 pounds per head that's a huge amount of weight that's been lost in the marketplace that's a tremendous amount of weight that packers were counting on and they expected to be able to market and have for consumers but it's gone because cattle obviously weathered those storms hard and you know what when they're in those harsh environments weather conditions they're not adding weight they're just merely surviving and maintaining they're not on the game and yes we have seen both steer and heifer weights on the decline and that makes me want to tie in the point of this upcoming friday's cattle on feed report it's shifting gears just a little bit there friday's report is expected to be extremely bullish again because placements are expected to be anywhere from 13 to 16 percent lower than what they were a year ago and why why are we expecting to see significantly lower placements on friday's cattle on feed report it's because cattle were not placed during january as aggressively because of those snowstorms so really sarah as we talk about prices as we talk about car carcass weights as we talk about slaughter as we talk about demand as we talk about placements and cattle on feed reports there's just a bullish outlook painting 2024 and it's been really fun to track and i think it's one that's going to continue to ring true for this market you mentioned there right at the end the question of slaughter pace and some of those packer decisions, which is something we've been following closely as well over the last year or so. Any updates on the packer side in terms of decisions they're making to deal with lower carcass weights with kind of just this moment in the market as they continue to try and adjust their business models for this really bullish cattle position? Yes. So they are phenomenal businessmen. And I know sometimes I get some frowns when I say that at a speaking event or, or a public engagement because cattlemen, they, they're frustrated with packers, right? They're somebody who, they're individuals who have a tremendous amount of control over the market. They're typically not in a position where they lose money. And typically that comes at the brunt of cow-calf or feedlots pocketbooks. And when I say that they're tremendous businessmen, the point that I'm making there is that they do not allow them themselves to be in a position to where they can be vulnerable and how they're going to protect themselves in 2024 is they're going to manage their slaughter speeds meticulously and so they know that there is less less tonnage in the market because cattle are possessing loose weights they're going to reduce slaughter speeds and what that does is that allows them to not have to buy as aggressively in the cash market and so obviously that's going to stabilize cash cattle prices and man they cash cattle prices have been anything but steady it was just two weeks ago that the market saw a four to six dollar advancement and prices have just really been aggressive because packers have had to buy up supply because they were short bought coming out of those storms and so really from a packer perspective managing their supplies is going to be what keeps the market on leash as opposed to the market 
running unbridledly through 2024. So as cow-calf producers and as feedlot managers look at the market, yes, seeing what packers are processing on a week-in, week-out basis is really indicating to what they're going to need in the cash market. I did want to ask a little bit about demand. You mentioned that there's a, a bullish demand picture at the moment, but yeah, I feel like this is this late winter, early spring, not usually the high, not usually a season maybe we associate with like summer barbecue or, or holiday beef purchases. But talk to us a little bit about the demand picture that you're seeing as far as consumer beef consumption. It's utterly phenomenal. You hit the nail on the head and heck, maybe you should become a market analyst, Sarah. <laughs> you spoke perfectly to the point. February is typically a point in which beef demand suffers. It's not grilling season. We don't have a holiday to cook for. And so typically we see a seasonal low in beef prices in February. But this year, demand has just remained so strong, I think, because first of all, consumers love the product. I mean, it's safe. It's trusted. It's true. And even though they are taxed in regards to how much money Money they have to spend on their weekly grocery grocery budgets they are still buying beef even though beef prices are extremely high and so thankfully that bodes well for packers which has a trickle-down effect of voting well for feedlots and cow-calf producers because if we don't have that demand we see less dollars in the marketplace now talking to a import export uh, outlook for 2024 uh, the usd outlook did share that imports are expected to be higher again in 2024 this is not something that is or earth-shattering to us, we expect imports to be higher simply because we don't possess enough cattle right now in the market to supply all the demand. Now, consequently, exports, yes, they're expected to be lower. And when you initially hear that comment that imports are expected to be higher and that exports are expected to be lower in 2024, that kind of feels like a two-pronged sword just simply because that doesn't sit well, that doesn't resonate well with beef producers. But we just have to look at where the market is in regards to supply and understand it. And so when we possess a smaller cow herd, that obviously means that there's going to be less supply available to the market, so there will be greater imports. And consequently, the sluggish world economy simply means that our exports aren't going to be as great. Like I said, beef prices are high in the United States, and given that the entire world is struggling with its economy, we're not going to see greater exports in 2024. I'm curious from the USDA outlook, from just as you are watching the market, we've talked a lot about the herd size today and in the last many months. What is the outlook in terms of, it? does it look like there's a turning point coming anytime soon where we maybe expect the herd size to start to expand a little bit more? Or does the current trend seem to be pretty sticky and we expect the herd to be pretty limited for the foreseeable future? Oh, that's a good question. I think it's one that's in the back of everybody's mind, whether you're a buyer or a seller. It's just, when does the wave change? When do we stop liquidating cows? When do we start keeping back uh, females to go back into the cow herd? When are we going to see that tidal wave change? And honestly, Sarah, there are really two points in which we can look to for a direction in regards to whether or not the U.S. beef cow herd will remain steady, be in a liquidation phase, or in a growth phase. And that is profitability in green grass. And even though I've been talking about higher prices here and there, everywhere, higher prices do not correlate to greater profitability. And so just because we're seeing higher prices for our feeder calves, that doesn't mean that ranchers are actually seeing greater profitability. Inputs are higher 
everywhere, interest rates are not expected to be uh, reduced in the fr- in the first half of the year, maybe later, but it's going to take some time and we're going to need to see inflation a lot steadier than what it is. And so that's, that's a problem. And so really uh, what we've seen in regards to the cattle inventory report, be- beef replacement heifers were not kept back in 2023. And really they could begin to be being kept back a little bit in 2024, but it's not expected until 2025, really, which would mean that we wouldn't start to see more numbers until potentially 2026. And so I think that we're going to be in this stage of the market where we're just at a stale point. Maybe the liquidation is not going to be as aggressive as what it was surely in 2022, most likely not as aggressive as what it was in 2023. But I still think that we're going to see some liquidation in 2024, just simply because we're not seeing enough true profitability in the industry. Now, the other question that just comes with those thoughts is that I think that we need to think about is who's going to buy back? Who's going to possess these replacement heifers? Who's going to be, who are going to be the individuals who start to build back these cow herds? And I think that's something that's going to be really difficult in this build back phase of the market, as opposed to 2014, 2015, because of where we sit with interest rates. You know, it's really hard for young producers to go out there and let's say interest rates are nine, 10, heck, maybe they get to 11%. I hope not, but let's just talk theoretically. It's really hard to be buying females at high prices and then servicing debt with interest that's that expensive and so i i really see the build back being much slower in the years ahead than compared to what it was in 2014 and 2015. i want to switch gears and look a little bit more ahead you touched a little bit on what your expectations are for this week's cattle on feeder report i wonder if there's anything more you want to say about how you're thinking about that and then what other kind of reports are you expecting in the next few weeks or months that you think might have the power to shift markets for cattle producers? Good question. So let's just start out with the cattle on feed report. Like I said, I expect it to be extremely favorable to the cattle market simply because we expect placements to be anywhere from 13 to 16% lower than a year ago. Now, whether or not that's going to send the market sharply higher or they're just going to be able to maintain the trends in which they've currently been trading at, I don't know. Simply because one could argue that the bullishness is already built into the market or one could argue that there's more for the market to gain and possess after that report. We're simply going to have to wait and see how traders and see how cattlemen uh, react to that data. But either way, it's going to be favorable to the market. It it most likely will not be uh, neutral or bearish by any means, just simply because of that placement data. So that's a that's a strong positive little token that the cattle market can tuck in its pocket for this upcoming Friday. Moving forward, I think that weather and drought and precipitation outlooks are going to be extremely important for the 2024 market and moving forward, simply because it's going to tell us whether or not producers are going to be keeping back females or whether or not they're going to be liquidating more. Because drought is expected to be regional in 2024, but based on where the regions lay that's going to tell us if it's a pocket that possesses a lot of cows or maybe it's more stalker ground or more feedlot country but it's going to tell us whether or not producers are keeping back females if they have the grass available to them or if they are once again pushed by drought conditions to have to go ahead and find other grass in other regions or send cows down the road. I'm curious, as you look at the regions as they sit right now, given the winter weather and maybe some of the early season forecasts, are you, do you have expectations for, say, like the Southern Plains versus the Northern Plains for the Rocky Mountain region? What's the region you are keeping your eye on most closely, maybe as we get into the kind of heart of the season? 
Good question. Thankfully, up in the north where the mountains are, they've been getting quite a bit of snow. It's been it's been a mild winter, really, thus far, other than that one storm in January. But uh, thankfully, there's been some kind of timely storms that have given the mountains some good precept. Obviously, we really need to keep our eye on that southeastern region just because of how droughted out they were last year. It's going to take a lot of moisture for them to come back and for them to be at levels in which they can move forward and see that vegetation growing back. And so I, I think that really, like I said, it's going to be extremely regional and it's not one that you can just throw a broad blanket across the entire United States. We're going to see pockets of moisture, pockets of drought, and just really different decision-making processes for those different regions. Always curious to hear how things are going at the ranch for you all and how you're preparing for the year ahead. What are you thinking about? Ooh, that's, that's a fun question, especially right now, because we're about 45 days out from our bull sale. So it is just pedal to the metal right now for us, Sarah. We, um, our catalog will be out in roughly two weeks. We're picturing this Saturday. We've got semen checking. We've got clipping. We've got videoing. And then we get to have the big shebang here on uh, April 6th. And so, man, we're just really optimistic and we're hopeful that God's blessings will just pour over into our sale. And we've had really good customer interest already. And of the folks that we've talked to a lot of the people that we market and sell bulls to they've had a good year they really capitalized on strong feeder cattle sales many of them were able to keep back replacement heifers but what they did adversely is because the market is so strong they got rid of their older cows because it's a market in which five to eight year old or excuse me eight to nine year old short-term cows they were bringing sometimes up into twenty three hundred dollars and it was a really strong market we saw quite a few of our customers do marketing uh, strategies like like that and so it's really exciting we uh based on where we run our cows in the state of wyoming we're in northern wyoming here in cody but we actually summer our cows more in the the middle of the state there next to riverton in between riverton and casper and so that's typically a region where people like to joke that a antelope has to pack their lunch because there's not a whole lot of grass out there so our cows have to really work and, and be foragers and travel to the grass and moisture is something that we're really keeping an eye on because of not only the grass that's going to be there or the lack thereof but also the water we were we expect our cows to just go ahead and utilize those reservoirs and those uh, wells out there and so if moisture becomes an issue that's something that presses on us but I'm really excited for our business individually here in 2024 I think that there's a ton of potential being on the bull sale side of things and looking at this market and knowing that you have the smallest cow herd in USDA history that's a little bit unnerving just because guess what in order to sell bulls people have to have cows right but uh, thankfully we've had really good demand here and really, if you watch the sale reports for bull sales thus far in 2024, they've been averaging anywhere from about $500 per head to $1,000 per head stronger. So I think that people are excited to build back with better genetics and just really continue to move the needle forward uh, with the with the genetics that they're procuring. So we're excited and, and really, I just, I, I'm anxious to just take on the next day and to see what it has to offer. Absolutely. I think I just have one last question, which is, I think we've talked in the past when maybe the market wasn't in quite such a good position about what kind of advice you give to to producers about not reacting too strongly to the market or strategies for taking the emotion out of kind of sales decisions. But I'm curious what kind of questions you get in moments like this, or how, how do the, those kind of planning and advice conversations go when we're potentially just in such a good position? Is it about taking the most advantage of this moment or planning for the future? Or what are you talking with other producers about right now? 
Oh, it's funny that you bring that up because I had a call just last week about this exact scenario. It was actually a dear friend of mine. We livestock judged in college together and her and her family would really like to buy some more cows right now. But her husband, he's hammered down. Let's go buy some cows. These feeder cattle prices are too strong to miss out on. We have to capitalize on this market. Let's go. And she's saying, but how can we afford to buy females at these prices and think that we're going to be in a winning market scenario? And there's that old saying, you make your money the day you buy, not the day you sell. And I think that's something that producers need to keep in the back of their mind because it's something that a lot of folks got spanked with when they bought $3,000 bred heifers in 2015 that later they were paying on in 2016, 2017, 2018 when the market completely backslid. And so I think that when we look at the market, it never does us justice to look at it emotionally. And it never does us really justice to make a unrash decision that's made just at a whim. I think that when we make these decisions on whether or not we should remain steady with our numbers, buy more cows because yes, the market is strong, or maybe just hold steady and and just pay off some debt or wait until prices get a little bit cheaper to buy some more females before we think about that. Everything has to be weighted so meticulously. And really, I don't think that in today's day and age, you can afford to make any of those decisions without an Excel spreadsheet or or however you're tracking your projections and your numbers and seeing what your exact break-evens are. Because there is money lost if you're not playing the game. But at the same time, if you're buying an individual that never stands an opportunity to make money because you pay too much money up front for her, you're at a losing market scenario there too. And so I think it's just a lot of protection in the conversations that I'm having now. How are you going to safeguard your bottom line? What does the protection to your bottom line look like? And how are you going to ensure that if you're going to saddle up some debt here in this market, that you can indeed secure a profit? You can read more about the latest on cattle markets and stay up to the minute on all of Shaley's reporting at DTNPF.com or in the monthly DTN Progressive Farmer magazine. This episode of Field Post was brought to you by the team at DTN Progressive Farmer, with special thanks to Shaley Stewart. This episode was produced and edited by me with support by Greg Hillier and Susan Payne. And a big thanks to all of you for listening. If you like the show, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And until next time, remember, the future of farming is here. This episode is brought to you by DTN Haytimer. Hay and forage quality isn't just about yield. It also relies on the perfect weather window to ensure a good crop. Use DTN Haytimer, part of MyDTN, to quickly assess risk by viewing maps specifically designed to show circumstances affecting hay quality. Pennsylvania producer David Graybill said, quote, other weather forecasts were not accurate enough. As DTN Haytimer shows, it takes the right combination of drying to preserve the crop. I would guess we lost three to four times the value in crops that it would cost us to keep our DTN subscription for the year. DTN Haytimer is part of the MyDTN platform. Visit MyDTN.com to start a free 14-day trial.